2: Let's get this dinner
3: party started. Hello, welcome to the Sissel Scottish Rugby Breakfast Show. I am David, and to my left there is Matt. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, not too bad. It's nice to be up and early and ready to talk about Scottish rugby. It is great to be back, and to my right is Alan. How are you, mate?
0: Tired and not that excited to chat about Scottish rugby. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's really, uh, it's really dark outside. This is the real issue of getting up this early during uh, during the winter. But thank you very much for joining us, guys. Uh, we do love it as much as we do protest. Um, we were off last week, but we were chatting to you um, on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod on Instagram Thistle Understruck Rugby Understruck Pod. Um, and I don't think we got any emails, but it is there. It the option is there if you want us. The Thistle Rugby at um, gmail.com we got one review, it wasn't on iTunes we got, uh, it was come over email it's from Ollie from Norfolk um, and he says, don't listen to the pod as I give zero fucks about Scottish rugby but listen to a random one in the car yesterday and enjoyed it greatly basically like being in the pub with three of
0: my mates I mean that's pretty much exactly what we're going for I think
3: yeah it's great that we've managed to reach out to people that don't care about Scottish rugby as well
1: I mean, we could just go to the pub and talk about the Scottish rugby rather than get up at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah,
3: but then we'd be denying all of the diehards out there in <laughs> um, their weekly um, chat. So, quick agenda for you. We're going to look back at some of the news from the last 10 days or so, including, obviously, Glasgow's win against Scarlets and Edinburgh's absolute hosing against Munster, and then looking ahead to Massive Weekend, previewing Edinburgh versus Newcastle and Glasgow-Leon as the Champions Cup returns. Um, But let's start with some news. The Hugh Jones-Will He Won't He saga continues. The Scotsman this week reporting that he is going to be staying at Glasgow after the SRU came in with an improved offer. That is the latest we know. It seems that it's now that he is going to stay on at Glasgow. How big is that for Glasgow to be able
0: to hold on to Hugh Jones? I think in terms of whether they need an inside centre or an outside centre, I actually think the emergence of Stafford McDowell over the last month has shown that at outside centre is a more important position for them, or that sort of player, yeah, that um, can sort of take that outside break is less kind of abrasive and more more sort of an athletic style player. And because I, I think we've got Dunbar and Hugh Jones coming to the end of the contracts of the season, and I would be super surprised if they keep. Dunbar, after some of the performances that come out, especially if Sam Johnson signs a new contract as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's a funny one because it's not as if Glasgow are crying out for centres, and Nick Grigg as well has been playing well, and particularly in those games when the likes of Hugh Jones are playing for Scotland, Nick Grigg is like one of the best players in the league, I think. Um, but I think it still sends out a good statement that Glasgow can hold on to some of their better players, and I reckon Hugh Jones like was, was on the cusp and then saw Leicester shipping 40 against Bristol. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stay at Glasgow. Thanks, lads.
3: We will keep an eye on that one. Hopefully we'll get confirmation one way or the other sooner rather than later. Um, Another thing that came up um, about a week ago, the troubles down in Australian rugby, and they are looking for the man. They're looking for a man that can turn it around. And why wouldn't you want Scott Johnson to go back to Australia and be their head man? Alan, what do you think of uh, Australian rugby, quoting Scott Johnson?
0: I think... It's a great move for Australian rugby. <laughs> I think Scott Johnson's your man. He'll take you to the World Cup and then he'll give himself a promotion and be director of rugby at the ARU. So, win-win for everyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, Matt, would you like to see the back of Scott Johnson? Um, in one sense, yeah. In another sense, no. Um, I I, I don't really mind. Like, I think he's just been linked because he's a high-profile Australian coach who isn't in Australia. Um, if he goes... Good luck to him and good luck to the Wallabies because it pretty horrific three or four years.
3: <laughs> Again, we will keep an eye on that. There hasn't been any official statements made by anyone on that. It was the Sydney Morning Herald, I think, that broke that story. Um, so last Tuesday night, um, Scottish women um, just losing to a very strong Canadian women's side, 28-25 to 25, uh, down at Scottsdale. Um, Jade Conkle returning from injury and making a huge impact. One massive pick and go for the Scotland Women's second try. Uh, Lisa Thompson, the captain, also getting over the whitewash. Um, they led quite well in the second half. It was broadcast live on BBC Alba, which is great to get the uh, get the game out there a bit more in front of uh, a few thousand people at Scottston as well. Um, so well done to the uh, the Scottish Women.
0: I see someone say that Jade Conkle is the most effective number eight in Scottish rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, judging on the, the try she scored, I don't see a, a, there's no
3: man that's <laughs> picking and going from 10 metres out and scoring. It was unbelievable. I think great for them to bounce back after possibly a slightly unexpected loss um, to Italy the week before. Um, Matt, do you want to give us a roundup of what went on in the
1: Tenants Premiership? Can do. So um, Melrose continuing on their good, good streak of form, beating Watsonians, who made it close 29 24. Harriet's, um winning the Edinburgh Derby 31-5. Interesting fact, Harriets have not used a single pro player this whole season. They're the only team not to have. Next is Hoyk with five. Um, Barmure beat Glasgow Hawks 29-12. Hawks being dragged down into a bit of a relegation battle now, um, if that happens. Ayr uh, still unbeaten, 27-25 away at Sterling County. And Hoyk ground out a 9-3 win over Curry, which is a pretty huge result in terms of their, their season.
0: Sounds like a real real classic.
1: I mean, if you're Hoik that you're loving that. That's your bread and butter. I mean, how are we gonna get a win, you know, in in, in the win start of the winter months nine three? Yeah. Have Aki's st- still not got a win? Yeah, still looking for the first win. It seems as if they're always competitive like the first half and they just don't have the, the quality, the physic physicality to, to compete after that.
0: I'm seeing Hoik have got that like seventeen year old center, something Mitchell.
1: Yeah, I think his name is Andrew Mitchell. Um he looks like a real prospect. And he's been playing in some of the like Foz Rock Academy games and even at the under twenty level, absolutely tearing it up. So he might sort of follow in the footsteps of likes of hogg and, and Darcy Graham. Wouldn't be surprised. The uh Hoik
3: procession of uh, quality players continues, it sounds like. Let's um, have a look back at the weekend's pro games. Um, Let's start with an unbelievable result for Glasgow versus the Scarlets, who came up to Scottsdale, and they won 29 points to 20. Glasgow played with 14 men for about 65 minutes after a red card um, from Alex Allen. Um, Brandon Thompson starring with 24 points... Um, not something I thought I would be saying this season. Um, Nick Grigg also crossing um, the line. Should we start with the, possibly the most controversial point of the match, the Alex Allen red? For me, it's a shoulder to the head. I think you, that's the the way the game is. Do you guys have any different views on that?
0: No, I think you know it's always a bit frustrating when your player gets red carded, when the opposing player has slightly dipped before the contact, because I think without that dip you know he hits him in the chest and it's it's unintentional but you're right with with the, with the way the rules are that is a red card and you just kind of got to deal with it i think there was sort of it did feel a little bit after after that um red card like a the ref felt a bit bad for giving it and b was pretty giving on penalties to glasgow um, it's like the first time I've ever seen Glasgow fa- Glasgow fans in general not complain about a ref this season, which makes me think he was probably a little bit skewed towards <laughs> Glasgow. And then I think, because it was 3 all when the red card went in, and then straight after that, we went for a quick 22, and then Nico did a um, quick tap on our own 22, and I was like, it's game over. I was like, it's <laughs> done. But, look, I, I actually think it was probably one of the top three performances under Dave Rennie probably say uh this extra win and actually the Saracens loss probably the three best performances seen under Rennie in the last year and a half
1: yeah I think so um and just as, as I was saying just players like like Nick Grigg makes such a big difference and George Turner in the first 10-15 minutes he was absolutely unbelievable um and yeah, as we're talking about as well, I think Stafford McDowell sort of come from nowhere and has been really impressive since, since he's had his opportunities. Um,
0: I wonder if he might actually be a bit of a World Cup bolter. The thing about Stafford McDowell is the what the leg up he has on most people his age is just his size. Yeah. like he is what six foot four, nearly a hundred and ten kilograms, and a lot of. The, The issue for people who are that 20 years old is they just struggle with that physicality, and that's something he just does not have. And, yeah, it's I think going back to the point earlier is, you know, I remember people were like, oh, well, Stafford McDowell is going to come to the squad and we're not going to need Dunbar or people like Jones as much, and I kind of laughed it off a little bit. Um, But actually these last four games, especially his combination with Greg, has been super, super strong. And look, I generally think I don't think he's going to be a World Cup bolter, but he's he's a sort of twelve that we haven't really had for quite a while. And I think talking of young guys, I was saying Robbie Nairn, who I think it was his debut. It, it was his starting
1: debut. I think he'd, I was checking this. He'd had one appearance off the bench, I think, before.
0: And again, I have seen him a little bit under twenties, and I was a little bit unconvinced that he would be able to make that step up. But firstly, he's an absolute freak. <laughs> like, he is an absolute animal. And But also that, even some of his skills, so like passing, picking picking out some high balls, just seemed super comfortable at that level. And then also he had a try chopped off, which would literally have been one of the best tries at Scottsdale.
3: Oh, that disallowed try was ridiculous. I think marginal... Marginal forward pass. I think he just let the boys play because it was so nice. I think um, one of the big talking points about Rennie's Rennie's reign is how Scottson has really just become an absolute fortress to them. I think, what is it, from a possible 75 points at Scottson, they've scored, they've gotten 72. They've only dropped three bonus points.
0: Yeah, I think it was uh, on top of the moon that put out some stats. And they were actually ridiculous. So regular season games in the Pro 14, 15 from 15, 72 from 75 and no away team has taken a point from Scottsdale under running. What? Not even a losing bonus point? That is ridiculous.
3: I mean, we can have our questions about how they've stepped up in Europe and things like that, but they have been extremely dominant in the uh, in the top 14 regular season, at least. Um, we'll come on to talk much more about Glasgow um, when we're previewing their match against Lyon at the weekend.
0: I think, and we'll come on to it in the Edinburgh game, I think the key the key thing that's kind of come out in the last sort of four weeks is when Edinburgh have got all the players and Glasgow have got all the players, I actually don't think there's a massive gap between them. Now that Edinburgh at that first team level have got close to parity with Glasgow and they're now, Scotland are kind of taking a similar amount of players from both teams, what you find is that second and third tier for Glasgow is so much stronger than Edinburgh's second or third tier I think, and I appreciate Edinburgh have got a lot of injuries at the moment, but the fact that you look at the packs that went out at the weekend, and in your second row, Glasgow are putting out Swinson and Cummings, yeah. um, and then at Edinburgh, you've got Hodgson and Hunter Hill. Now, and, like, nothing against Hodgson and Hunter Hill, but they've got, like, cumulative five cats between them, yeah. and, you know, the I don't think they could buy beer in the US. Like... <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's um, it's um just there is that just little bit of a gap between the two that Glasgow can just handle those international periods. Yeah, and I suppose that's just a, a sort of telling thing. Glasgow
3: have had about five years at that sort of level of success where they've been able to build that squad depth and build it. And I suppose we saw what happens. Edinburgh went across to Munster and went down 44-14, um, as Alan said, with a pretty um, young and sort of scratch side. A lot of players that we haven't seen a lot from... Uh, this year Matt what did you make of it is there much they can take away from this or is it just a you know they just don't have the
1: depth to be competing what against what was pretty much Munster's first team I mean Cockrell in the lead up didn't ever say we won't win the game or we can't but he said we really shouldn't win this game so I mean you you take what you can from it the, fa- the fact that the likes of Hodgson Hunter Hill getting getting game time um, I think Ali Miller has been pretty impressive since he's had a shot uh, which just goes to show, if you get the opportunity, um, George Taylor looked, looked pretty decent as well. Um, but you just look at the lineup, and it's Nathan Fowles against Connor Murray, and, like, Omani
0: against Lewis Wynn. It's just, what, what do you expect? Yeah, we were we were discussing this before the game. Is What do you think someone like Arna Botha, when he steps up and he sees, you know, again, Jamie Hodgson, Lewis Wynn... They're really, they're good players. They're really, they really perform really, really well in the Premiership, but it's there is a big gap there, and it's going to take a long time. And preferably, you want these players coming in in like drips and drabs, and feeding in, and kind of coming into the team when the other pro players are there.
1: Yeah, I was just going to make that point as well. That even if you have with Glasgow, for example, you've got Swinson with the experience. Cummings is experienced now, but has been drip fed with an experienced person next to him, whereas you have. Hodgson and Hunter Hill, completely green combination, um, and yeah, you've got guys who are playing in Prem One, and the step up, as we know, is is is
0: pretty big. I think interesting to see George Taylor. I think definitely wasn't taken aback by the physica- physicality of the game. Clearly, like a pretty abrasive player. But we were saying if you if you told someone who'd never watched Edinburgh before who was having their first cap and who was, you know, a 30-year-old international kind of slightly journeyman player, you would have chosen George Taylor as the sort of internationalist and Cicino was having his first cap because it was clearly quite, I thought it was quite a big gulf in terms of the quality between those two players. And Chris Farrell clearly had picked out Cicino and gave him an absolute fucking... Wow, um,
3: which one of you at the start of the season was it that said Sacchino was a good piece of business? Matt,
1: was that you? Um, I cannot remember. I can, neither, I can neither confirm nor deny. I, having watched him play in Newcastle, like he was one of their, he was a good player for them. And I'm just, I'm surprised. I mean, he does get a bit of a bum deal. He only plays with like, you know, the third fifteen players. But no offense, but <laughs> he's not, he's not being great. But you could say that of a few Edinburgh signings as well, like someone like Simon Hickey hasn't been great either. So maybe it takes time to, to bed in. I suppose
3: what it does mean is that um, a lot of Edinburgh's big names will be back and fresh for the weekend, or certainly you hope so. Um, so should we move on to preview this big weekend in Europe? Um, starting on Friday night, Edinburgh versus Newcastle down at Kingston Park. Um, Matt, I can see you doing it on um, on BBC as we speak right now. So I guess my opening gambit is, what is Edinburgh's best team for this weekend? Now they've had that chance to rest players. Scotland players are coming back in. Who is the team that you'd be sort of sending down to take on Newcastle?
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
3: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today.
1: Well, I think, um, presuming go- these guys are fit, it kind of picks itself. There's a few... Uh, areas of contention, but, you know, front row, Dell, McAnally, Bergen or, or Nell. Um, second row, Tulis and Gilchrist. Back row, probably Watson, Ritchie, Mata. Um, oh. it's, you know, it that front eight looks good. Uh, it's a bit more in the, in the backs. Paragos probably nine. I'd be tempted to play Van der Vault at ten. I don't think Hickey's been good enough.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think in especially some of the, maybe the last month or sort of six weeks, I think Van Vol, especially in attack, has just shown so much more than Hickey. I'd say for the background that Hickey has, and probably the salary that he's on, he is probably the most disappointing signing of the season so far.
3: I think he hasn't sort of lived up to that promise that his sort of, you know, his CV suggested, but. In one way, he has given Van Der vaal a bit of a kick up the arse, and I don't think Van Der vaal took very kindly to being on the bench behind him. So when he's had his chances, he's come on and made a, a big impact. If I'd said to you, as a uh, as an Edinburgh fan, Matt, at the start of the year, that your starting centre partnership would be Chris Dean and James Johnson when you're in you know a big match in
1: Europe, I don't think you would have been delighted. But those two are probably your form centres, aren't they? Well, that's the thing. I think you know it's a shame that Bennett's injured and and Scott, but they haven't really played that much this season. And James Johnson, to be fair to him, always takes his chance when he plays. So, um, you know, I I don't feel too bad about having those guys. And then you've got some decent firepower in the outside backs of Darcy Graham, Doohan, Vandermeer and and Blair Kinghorn. So it looks, it looks pretty decent.
3: And what about the Newcastle side? They're obviously scratching around at the very bottom of the English um, premiership. They've they eked out a very impressive win against Northampton last week. But I suppose, can they afford to be fighting on two fronts? And what
0: do you expect from, from Newcastle? I think there's probably a little bit part of, especially at the Newcastle sort of board level, who are almost like a little bit annoyed that they've won their first two games in the Champions Cup because it almost just... Fo- it, you, you can't win your first two games in the Champions Cup and not then go out to win your sort of third and fourth game, Um, so they're almost sort of forced by previous results to take this seriously, Um, because you're right, I think for them, you know, obviously great that they got the win at the weekend, but the relegation dogfight in the Premiership is going to be absolutely savage this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the Premiership table now, and there's only four points between Newcastle, who are bottom of the table, and sixth place. Um, who's Bath at the moment. So I don't know, if the gap was bigger then I'd kind of I'd be more confident about this match. I would think that Newcastle would maybe think about playing a second string. But I think they're quite happy fighting on both fronts at the moment. And I think they're quite confident actually. I mean, they've won like six games in a row now or something. They're on a good run. I mean that includes the sort of the crap Anglo Welsh Cup. But I get the sense they're actually quite Confident of getting out of that relegation zone, and I wouldn't be that surprised either. I think there's worse teams around them in that league.
0: It's interesting to say that. I generally don't think they should be confident of getting out. I I actually think they've got one of the weakest teams uh, in the league. Yeah, and it's I honestly think they are. They do not have the depth of someone like even like Leicester or a Sale or potentially a Bristol if they lose Mark Wilson and Gonover, they literally do not have that much quali- top line quality in their team
1: yeah I mean we're getting on to a premiership debate here but I think Sale, Worcester, Northampton Bristol, Bath even when you scratch below the surface do not have that much quality in depth so I I, I get the sense that Newcastle are actually
0: despite the table in a in a good place so that's that's why it worries me slightly Right, there's a, there's a bet being laid down here. <laughs> we, I'm going to say that by the end of the season, Northampton are ahead of Newcastle in the table. And if I'm right, uh, you have to pay f- what the other person has to pay for the other person to watch one of the Scotland pre-warm-up games.
1: Okay, okay, fine. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah.
3: Good well I'm glad we've got that sorted. Um, What do we think then? Let's do a a quick um, prediction of that match. I mean they're they're fairly similar sides but should they're not going very far. Do you think Edinburgh this is a game that they should be going on and winning?
0: Yeah I mean I guess coming from a different different angle I just don't think Newcastle are actually as strong as, as some people think they are and I think that starting Edinburgh pack, as long as there's not any sort of injuries, I know there is a few. there was a few question marks about Bill Matter, because he did get taken off in the France-Fiji game with um, icing his leg, but I haven't really heard much about it, and they haven't released the teams yet. Um, but I think in terms of that pack, Edinburgh have definitely got a pack to handle Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's
3: essentially a Scotland pack. Front five is seasoned Scotland veterans. Now, Jamie Ritchie had an absolutely brilliant autumn. Hamish Watson's Hamish Watson. If Bill playing eight, that is playing eight, that is a serious, serious proposition. Um, and then the back line, you know, hopefully they'll do something. <laughs> Get the ball to Darcy Graham. Um, Matt, what's your view? Do you think it's uh, an Edinburgh win?
1: Yeah, I think it, it'll be a harder game than, than Alan is, is giving credit for, because I think Newcastle are a good team. But it's a home... Home match at Murrayfield, hopefully get a decent crowd, and I just think Edinburgh, particularly in the pack, have a bit more quality and a solid enough backline. So I think it'll be close, but I think Edinburgh will just sneak it.
3: I like the sound of that, and uh, I think I said it was at Kingston Park earlier. But as it is a home match, I'm going to back you as well, Matt, and say that that is an an Edinburgh win. I think they due a big performance. I think it's been a really tough sort of international period for them with some really poor performances, not it? But I think. They will all want to get that sort of momentum back, and with the Scotland players, I think that's going to be looking
0: very good for them. And also the King, the Sweet Prince, Chris Dean. Rumours circulating that he'll be donning the twelve jersey on Friday night. I mean, it's it's game it's game over. I it's I think with that pack, DTH looks like he's back back on form. I know he, the other Van der Merwe yeah. is uh is back. I think. As long, as long as that pack can get sort of parity and they can get the ball out to Kinghorn, Graham, and Duhan, I think it should be a non-bonus point win for Edinburgh.
3: All right, well, we'll be looking at that. Um, chat onto our Twitter, at Thistle Rugby Pod. We'll be tweeting all about that during the match, so follow us there for a slightly bit of offbeat um, coverage if you're getting a little bit bored of what BT Sport are offering you. Um Let's have a look. Um, Glasgow versus Leon, going away to Leon. Um, Leon lost their first two matches in their Champions Cup pool. So my question to you, Alan, is: Do Leon care
0: about this match? Um, I think probably it's probably a good thing for Glasgow that they have lost their first two games. I st- still feel like Leon will probably give this third game a shot, and if they lost this, they would give up. But it's a bit strange that Cardiff Blues went out and beat Leon away because Leon haven't lost to any other team at home this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're fourth in the top 14 at the moment, so they're going pretty well. And obviously, a lot of that has been built on home victories. Um, so look at their squad, though, and there's no real superstars. Like, you've got Carl Ferns, who's been good in the last few seasons, Liam Gill, I think, is class. Um, you've got a few sort of like, former French internationals like Boxis and Jean-Marc Dusan, Delon Armitage still kicking around. And my favourite ever player's name, Dylan Cretton. <laughs> <laughs> um but no, I still think they'll be pretty formidable. But I think the fact that Cardiff went and beat them there and Glasgow are a lot better side than Cardiff. I guess a lot of,
0: a lot of the kind of post match analysis from the Cardiff game was that Cardiff had just dominated at the breakdown, especially in terms of turnovers. Um, And I guess with Glasgow probably starting Wilson, Gibbons, and Ferguson, they're all sort of great all-round players, but none of them are particularly like breakdown specialists. So obviously we don't potentially have that as a way to sort of counteract that big Leon pack. I think... um, Actually, the game at the weekend, Leon in the centres had Charlie Natai and Rudy Wolf. I, I didn't even know. I, I literally thought Rudy Wolf was like 38 years old. But in like, the centres are big and they are abrasive. And I guess just wondering what the right centre partnership for Glasgow is to sort of counteract that. Because whilst we've been defenders of Hugh Jones, I'm not that excited about Natai and Rudy Wolf running at Hugh Jones
1: yeah i think Natai uh, is physical but is more of a kind of uh, open field runner or you know isn't such a direct player and Rudy Wolf he seems to be in the top 14 for a long time and normally your sort of career trajectory in the top 14 goes from like joining Toulon to eventually playing for Perpignan at the bottom of the league so I, I, I don't know if I'm that fast. Um, I think there are a few comments in the week saying that the Leon pitch is quite liable to kind of flooding and can be quite boggy, and maybe a team like the Cardiff Blues can do well in those conditions. Whereas that's not really Glasgow's forte, so that would be my worry. I don't I don't know what the weather forecast is like, but hopefully it's not not too bad. It's currently raining.
3: That is not good news. So, with all those factors considered, uh, this is Thursday morning. Glasgow will be announcing their team tomorrow lunchtime. What would what team do you think they should pick? What is Glasgow's best team um, to be
0: going down and beating Leon? I think front front five potentially. I think front three. You're looking at Kebble, Brown, and Ray. Um, yeah, I don't. We didn't sort of dis- discuss it earlier in the pod, but when Alex Allen went off and and then Matt Smith was subbed for Oli Kebble and then Oli Kebble literally came on for like the first scrum and I think he was against the opposite man as like Kruger. Yeah. And he literally destroyed him. Like literally <laughs> destroyed him. And this happened on multiple occasions throughout the whole game. Even when it was seven on eight. At certain points, cable mm-hmm. literally. And, and the thing is, even Darcy Ray, who I think might have played the most games of any Glasgow player this season, mm-hmm. he can completely stand up in the scrum. So I think that front three does just pick itself.
3: Yeah. Completely agree. And Darcy Ray has been a, a really standout player for Glasgow this year. Given his opportunity, he has absolutely um, stood up um, with Fagerson being out, and he's really taken that opportunity and become a really genuine option what about that second that second row pairing obviously johnny gray is pretty much a shoe in swinson back in the mix would you pick him to partner i mean they've quite enjoyed having rob harley in there having that grafter matt what do you think part of me is quite tempted to
1: play harley if is that dog fight but i think swinson's more of a proven performer at that higher level and i think he sort of compliments johnny gray quite nicely so i wouldn't i wouldn't mind playing him there I think the back row kind of picks itself. I wouldn't be surprised. uh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't um, Gibbons, Wilson,
0: and um, Figerson. I think the only unlucky person there is potentially Adam Ash, who I think probably had a little bit of a slow start to the season, but especially in the last two games for Glasgow, has been a pretty standout performer. I think that's a bit of a judgment
3: call, and he's been out doing the media round. I know it doesn't always tell you who's going to be starting and things like that, but uh, he was up in front of the press for Glasgow, and that tends to be somebody who's going to have an involvement. Um, but then again, I suppose Matt Ferguson was in the Sunday Times on Sunday, so <laughs> who knows? I would say that's probably a judgment call. And then your back line
1: we can't look much further than Price and Hastings. Maybe George Horn, but. I think for that kind of game, maybe you want a bit more of prices control. I I wouldn't mind either, to be honest.
3: I agree with that. And what about that sense of partnership? Surely they're just going to plump for Dunbar and Jones.
0: It's really unfair on Nick Grigg. Over the last month, Nick Nick Grigg has been genuine quality in every game in terms of clean breaks, meters made, and it's... (laughs) Seems a little bit unfair that after having kind of those standout performances, he he kind of just gets dropped for Dunbar, who what played two games in the autumn, wasn't particularly stand out in either of them, and then Hugh and then Hugh Jones, who had maybe one bad game and a couple of good games.
3: Yeah, I suppose your other option is um, Pete Horn, who came through the autumn pretty well. Uh, Sam Johnson, I think, is still coming back from injury. Not sure if he's fully fit again, but. Pete Horn and Jones—they had decent runs together in the, in the
1: autumn, playing well. What about you, Matt? What would you choose? Maybe for the sake of balance, I would I would keep Horn in there. Um, I think if you have Dunbar at twelve, then you sort of lose that distribution. If you want to unlock the likes of Jones and Seymour and Hog, um, but it just it depends on what kind of game it is. Like, it depends on the weather, and depends if it is a slog, and then you maybe put Don in there. Um, Pretty happy with the back three of Seymour, Merver, and Hogg. Wouldn't make much of a change there. Hard not to be happy with that. That is um, pretty tasty.
0: So Nico did just win uh, Warrior of the Month. So he did. So, and he, he has been ripping up, to be fair, on the wing. Although I completely agree that he should not be starting this game. <laughs> Chuck him on the bench.
3: Give him a chance. You never know what he can do. Um, come on and mix it up. Um, I just want to quickly say,
1: my, my new favourite like Twitter personality is... Um, Petrus Duplessis. Have you seen any of his um, his, his social media stuff, of his, like, prop training? It is absolutely... wearing, like, neck braces and, like, it is absolutely amazing. He absolutely loves scrummaging. It's quite good content as well. He always puts, like, a really weird bit of music behind these
3: videos of him in sort of, like, um, S&M neck braces and things like that. <laughs> He's, like, dragging Xander Ferguson around by the head. It's so strange, but... You know, if it's all about neck strength, which I presume being a prop is, it looks like they've they're doing some pretty high-tech stuff.
0: I mean, I probably shouldn't get into prop stuff, but is neck strength that important? Like I I don't really like I meant in terms of how much more important is legs and back.
1: In terms of not breaking your neck and potentially dying, it's really <laughs> fucking important.
3: <laughs> Let's not get into the nitty this is not where we need to be, guys. This is not what we can offer. I do recommend, as Matt says, getting onto Petra's duplicy's um, Twitter and having a look. Um, let's finish off with just some predictions for that game. Glasgow versus Lyon. They need to win, really, if they want to keep any of their European hopes alive. Alan, I'm coming to you. What do you think?
0: Um, It's a bit of a hard one. I think it's so... It just depends on what Lyon turn up. I know I can say that for a lot of games, but... You know, Leon, outside of that Cardiff game, have not lost a game this season. And that includes crushing, like, Montpellier. So, you know, they've got a bit of a fortress there. Um, say, Saying that, I think Glasgow are just going to squeak it. And they're going to pitch up for, similar to Edinburgh game, a non-bonus point win.
1: Yeah, it's just so hard to tell with the French teams because it seems as if one week they're incredible and the next they're absolutely awful. Including Montpellier, I, I think Glasgow will have enough. Um, and I think that there's an interview with Hogg today in the Times, and that they're, they're just they're desperate to get to that last eight. And like, particularly someone like him is last season like really driving them on. I think that counts for quite a lot. So yeah, I think Glasgow by by a score. I'll take that couple of Scotland team wins and we'll
3: be happy next week um, thanks a lot for joining us guys um, follow us during the matches over the weekend, um, that's at Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, follow us on Instagram, Thistle Understruck Rugby Understruck Pod, and get into our inbox, thethistlerugby at gmail Give us your post game analysis, your rants, and your raves about what is going, and we'll read them out on the pod next week. On iTunes, subscribe and leave us a review. Same on Acast, and we will see you guys next week. Cheers.